Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors at Wild Street. It's great to have you join us. And as Julian said, we're in our last week of looking at the amazing book of Ephesians. And we've seen some incredible things. We've seen the big picture of God's plans for the world. We've seen his incredible blessings poured out on us. And we've seen a picture of the God-honoring life as we walk worthy of our calling. And I feel like you can get to this point in the letter and you just think, it's all so good and easy. Chapters 1 to 3 are this amazing picture of the gospel where we see naturally we're dead in our sins. We deserve God's wrath. But we learn that God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love, has made us alive with Christ. He's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's beautiful. How could you ever struggle to believe that? And then in chapters 4 to 6, we see a beautiful working out of the gospel. You've been called to this wonderful hope, and so walk worthy of that calling. It just seems obvious. It makes total sense to do, right? The theme of walking has dominated the second half of the book, and it can make it seem a bit like the Christian life is one where you just continually grow. You're just on this upward trajectory where you walk and there's never any setbacks. But that's not always our experience, is it? There's times when we can find it hard to believe the things we're told in chapters 1 to 3. And we can find it hard to do the things we're called to do in chapters 4 to 6, even when we're convinced that they're good things to do. Why is that? Is that legitimate to feel? Am I a lesser Christian if I do feel those things? In this passage, Paul's going to tell us something that's vital for us to get our heads around. It's something that's kind of scary, but it explains something significant about that experience of the Christian life. And Paul's going to tell us what to do about it. So it's great that you've joined us today. If you're not someone who follows Jesus, it's Jesus is great that you've joined us as well. Uh, this passage is probably going to challenge how you conceive of our world. Is there more to the world than what you can see, taste and touch? Are you sure? There's some of the things we're going to be looking at this morning. Let's get stuck into the passage. Point one, be strong in the Lord so you can stand. Have your Bibles open. We're at chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. As Paul finishes his letter, he says, be strong, go to the gym. You can join me and Zoe at CrossFit, 7 a.m. when it's not COVID. Paul said so, it's great. No, no, what, what does he really mean? Well, the best way to understand and read that phrase is be made strong or be strengthened. The point is not to make yourself strong. No, there's someone else who strengthens you. When you dig into that word, that's what it means. But you also see it in the context, it's not be strong in your own strength. It's be strong in the Lord. Receive and rely on the strength that God gives. Now, this isn't a new idea. Come back to chapter 1, verse 19. Paul says that the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that seated him at God's right hand over every power and authority to rule the universe, that power is at work in believers. Amazing. In chapter 3, verse 16, Paul prays that believers would be strengthened with power through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. The greatest power in the universe that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you if you follow Jesus. How amazing is that? Paul says, rely on that strength. 
not your own. If you're someone who doesn't trust Jesus yet, or, or if you're someone who doesn't know why it's such a big deal that this Jesus guy was raised from the dead, it's great that you've tuned in. Uh, that's a question that I've had in the past, and lots of people have those kinds of questions, and I wish we could, I could see you and we could have a conversation about it. But because we can't, we're about to run a series where people can ask and chat about the big questions of life. If you've got questions about Jesus or about life, or, or if you've got a friend who does, uh, it's never been easier to come. We're going to run it online. Uh, as Julian said, you can fill it in on your Connect card, which you'll find in the comments of this video. We'd love to get in touch with you with all the details on that. But Paul said we need to be made strong, be strengthened. But what does that actually look like? And why is it so important? Well, verse 11, the way to be made strong is to put on the armour of God. We're going to dive into that deeply in the next section. But why is it so important to be strengthened by putting on this armour? Well, the second half of verse 11 says, it's so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. See, even though you can't see it, you are in a battle at a cosmic level. Satan and those aligned with him in the heavenly realms are real, personal, and beings who have power, who want to snatch you away from Jesus and attack your faith. No wonder the Christian life can be hard. Uh, this kind of validates some of those feelings. It's, it's fair enough to find the Christian life hard because you're not just walking through the Christian life unimpeded. There's an adversary doing everything he can to attack and push you back. The Bible describes Satan as a liar, an accuser, and a tempter. He tells lies so that we might doubt God's goodness. He accuses us so that we think that we can't be forgiven and that we're not right with God. And he tempts us to live according to our old self instead of our new self. He uses all kinds of schemes and arrows to attack God's people. That's why Paul says it's so important to stand firm. He tells us four times in four verses, stand, stand firm for Jesus. Satan wants to and will attack you. You need to know that reality and be prepared for it so you can stand. We actually need to have a, a healthy kind of fear, not being overly scared because God's more powerful than Satan and he's already defeated him in the final battle. In some places, people are overly fearful of Satan and what they need to hear and maybe you need to hear is that God is more powerful. You need to trust God more and fear Satan less. But in our context, I suspect we need to be more aware of the reality that Satan is real, that he has power, and that he's attacking you. If you don't even know that you're in a battle, your chances of winning go way down. And so it's worth taking a minute to think about, if the devil is attacking you, how would the devil best attack you? Because knowing where you're vulnerable is a helpful way to prepare for an attack. Just take a second to think about it. If you were the devil, how would you attack you? Where are the, where are the chinks in your armour? You might want to type something down on your phone or, or write something down on a piece of paper because it's worth thinking about. You might want to ask someone who knows you well whether that's right. Here's a few ways that I can think of. I've got three. The first one is to tempt you to doubt God's goodness or grace. 
Uh, Satan might tempt you to look at your circumstances and conclude that God is not good. To think that if he was good, your, your circumstances would be better or different. Or maybe Satan would lie to you saying that God won't forgive you for that. Or you can't come to him because you're not good enough. Not after that. Maybe you're susceptible to believing those things. Most of us have times when we are. Second way is to convince you to pursue pleasure and experience as the number one thing in life. Uh, That feels, I think, like the spirit of our age, doesn't it? Uh, Satan has convinced the world that the most important thing is to pursue pleasure and experiences. Do whatever it takes by using your money, your time and your future plans to get these things. Or you'll be happy if you find the perfect relationship, if you have kids, if you experience the world through travel, if you own your own home, whatever it is for you. And we can so easily get caught up in the same thing, believing the same lie from Satan that the rest of our world does. The third one is apathy. In the book of Job, Satan is allowed to take everything away from Job to try and tempt him away from God. And I wonder if the opposite is possible for us. Could Satan tempt you in your comfort to forget about God, to make you rely on yourself, to make you live like you don't really need God? Or could he tempt you to feel apathetic about meeting with God's people? Whether we're talking about COVID times or not, we can feel apathetic about meeting with God's people, you know, it doesn't really matter if I go to church. It doesn't really matter if I miss growth group this week or for a few weeks. Satan would love for you to meet less with people who can encourage you with God's word and help you to fight sin. There's a few ways that Satan might try to attack you. It's vital that we're aware of these attacks. We need to have a healthy awareness of Satan and the spiritual battle we're in but we don't need to be terrified. God hasn't left us alone in the battle. No, in order to stand firm, God's given us his armour and strength. So what is the armour? Well, point two, the armour of God. Have a look with me from verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Six pieces of armor were given. Let me make three observations about them. One They're not physical pieces of armour because we're not in a physical battle. Uh, When you first read it, it can seem a bit like, how are these things armour? I can't wear truth. I don't have a salvation hat. How on earth can these things help? Well, the armour doesn't help us physically, but it does protect us spiritually, which is where the real damage is done. See, it's the perfect armour for the battle because it's spiritual armour. And even more than that, This armour is perfect because of the second observation. See, two, this armour isn't just the armour of God in the sense that it's, you know, God gives us the armour. God does give us this armour, but 
It's also the armour that God and his Messiah wore themselves when they went into battle. Uh, Have a look on the screen at Isaiah chapter 11, verses 4 to 5. This first passage is talking about the Messiah, and it says, And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. We skip down to chapter 59, verse 17. Uh, This one's coming up on the screen as well. And this is talking about the Lord, Yahweh. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. God and his Messiah have both worn this armour as they won victories before. How comforting is it for us then that God gives us his very own armour, which has already worked to strengthen us for our battle. Isn't that amazing? God's very own armour given to us. Do you think that means it's going to work? Absolutely. So what is this armour exactly? Well, the third thing. This isn't special armour that you have to find which is different to being a Christian. It's not like you have to be a Christian and then do something different to defend yourself from Satan. No, the armour is, in a sense, being a Christian. The point is that it's not the armour of the world, it's the armour of the gospel. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God. What does it actually look like for us to put on the armour of God to defend ourselves? Well, it comes back to the foundational things of being a Christian. It's what Ephesians has been telling us this whole time. Paul doesn't get to the end of the letter and then sum it up by telling us to do something totally different. No, Ephesians has been all about knowing and trusting the gospel in chapters 1 to 3 and then living out the gospel in chapters 4 to 6. Putting on the armour of God is knowing and relying on the gospel and living it out. See, when the devil attacks you with lies, what will help you is to be strengthened by God's truth. And then speak the truth in love to one another to help each other. And when the devil accuses you of not being right before God, what will help you is trusting in the fact that you've already been declared righteous by God and then living as a child of the light so you can see the fruit of righteousness in your life, the fruit that's a visible sign in your life of the invisible reality that's taken place. When the devil tempts you to think that your faith isn't strong enough. Your faith isn't strong enough for God. Remember back to chapter 2, verse 8. Your faith has never been about you being strong enough to keep believing, otherwise you could boast, Paul says. Faith has always been a gift to you from God. That's where the strength comes from. See how it works? See how this is the perfect armour to put out the flames of the evil one? It's what Ephesians has been all about. Paul's been praying that we would know deeper and deeper everything we have in Christ and that we live in a way that's worthy of being in Christ. I heard a quote during the week that I thought was really helpful. I just want to finish this little section with it. It says, The armour of God is the antithesis of the devil's power. For nothing undoes lies like the truth. Nothing undoes wickedness like righteousness. Nothing overcomes the devil like the gospel of peace. Nothing answers the devil's accusations like faith in Jesus who died for us. 
Nothing protects us from damnation like the salvation that's ours in Jesus. And nothing attacks the evil one quite like the word of God. That's the armour of God. The last thing that Paul talks about is prayer, point three. Have a look at verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Prayer is super important in this battle, if we want to stand firm. Uh, it's, not just an, it's not another part of the armour, but for people who wear God's armour, it's a critical thing to do. Uh, just look at how many times Paul says all. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and all so for me. Uh, maybe not that last one. But prayer is clearly an important part of standing firm. And Paul says it in a way that I expect is a rebuke for most of us. How's your prayer life going? Are you praying for help in the battle? Or are you fighting in your own strength? Or are you not fighting at all? Now, praying at all times doesn't mean praying every single second of every day, but it means all kinds of time, as in there's no kind of time where you wouldn't pray. Prayer is an important part of this battle. And he says that we pray in the Spirit. Now that makes it sound like some kind of special prayer which can trip people up a little bit. But actually, all prayer is done in the Spirit. Because we only ever have access to God as a child through the Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 18 says we have access in one Spirit to the Father. See, praying in the Spirit is praying as a child of God. That, that's how we always pray. So prayer is to be done at all times because it's critical for standing firm. It's, it's done in the spirit because we're God's children. And next we see we're not just to pray for ourselves, but also for each other. Make supplication for all the saints. We're not in this battle alone. We fight for and with each other. The Christian life is hard. Of course it is. We're in a broken world and we're fighting in a cosmic spiritual battle. But God's given us his armour, he's given us prayer, and he's given us each other. We need to help each other in the fight. Yes, you need to individually make sure that you're putting on God's armour and praying to defend yourself. But we also need to help each other, kind of get each other's armour on. Check the person next to you to see if their armour's tight enough and if there's any holes or chinks in it. We need to pray for each other, for protection from the evil one, and praying that others would stand firm in the gospel. Do you have some kind of method for praying for others at church? We're all in this together. I'm worse off if you're not praying for me. And you're worse off if I'm not praying for you. I've got an awesome friend. Yes, I actually do have a friend. But I've got an awesome friend who, who texts me every time he prays for me. And I think he does it with everyone. And so I get a text about once a week where he tells me what he's been praying for me. It's fantastic. Would you consider doing something like that? or anything you like that's going to help you pray for others. Join together in this battle. The last thing we see about prayer is that it's, it's both a defensive and an offensive strategy. 
Uh, like most of the armour we've seen, it's defensive in that it helps us stand firm against Satan's attacks. Uh, Paul's already prayed multiple times in Ephesians that we would understand more and more what God has done for us in the gospel. And that helps us to stand firm. It's defensive. But prayer is also an offensive weapon. See, Paul asked for prayer to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He wants to take the attack to Satan by proclaiming God's powerful word in order to bring people out of slavery to Satan and into the kingdom of God. Prayer is an important part of this battle. Because the Christian life can be hard, right? We're not walking unimpeded where it's always easy to believe the gospel and living it out. That'll be the case one day. But currently we're in a spiritual battle where Satan and his allies are trying to tear us down. We need to know that reality and stand firm for Jesus, being strengthened by God by putting on his armour and engaging in prayer. How about we engage in that now? Please join me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything we've learned in Ephesians. Thank you so much that you've given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. Thank you that even though we deserve nothing except your wrath, you've spared no good gift for us. Father, we pray that as we walk the Christian life, as we live for Jesus, that you might help us to fight, to wrestle in this spiritual battle. Help us to stand firm for Jesus. Help us not to lose our footing. Help us to know the gospel and trust it deeply. May we hold firm to your truth, to the righteousness you've given to us, to the peace we have in the gospel, to the faith you've given us as a gift. Hold firm to the salvation you've given us by your Son and the word we have in front of us, that we might be able to put out, extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. We pray that each person here might stand firm for Jesus until the final day. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.